0: Hey, this is Jim. Before we get started, can you do us a favor? Can you just like go on whatever platform that you're listening to this in the ratings area and give us a quick rating or review? Uh, if you have an iTunes slash Apple Podcast account, that's maybe even better because it seems to have more impact. But if you could just do that a little favor for us, we'd really appreciate it. Now, enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs>
1: You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Drink a bunch of uh, off (laughs) podcasts. Drink a bunch of Crown Royal the other day. Oh, yeah. Way better than I remember. (laughs) Maybe just because I've been drinking Jameson or something. Not, it's not like I drink all the time. But like, if we go out every other weekend, you know, Uh it'd be like a Jack and Coke or something. Uh And then had a shot of Crown. I was like, fuck. I didn't think I knew the differences, but when I took that Crown, I was like, damn, that was pretty good. I haven't had Crown.
0: I haven't had a whole lot of Crown, period. But uh, that the the Lexus Lounge
1: at the arena. Yeah.
0: It's decorated with Crown.
1: Yeah, they do pretty good marketing. But they they're like a higher everywhere. end, right? They're kind of like the Patron, like I know Patron's known as like a good tequila, but not if you're a tequila guy, it's not the best. It's not the best, yeah. Right, but yeah. Crown's like that. Like if you're not a if you're not a whiskey guy, it's a safe decent option. It's a option, safe defen- decent decent yeah.
0: option if you're not a whiskey guy and they do some flavors and stuff like yeah. that and if you're into that kind of thing and that makes it easier for you
1: to get, you know, shif- I mean, this could on be on whiskey. the podcast, I guess. Who gives a fuck? But uh <laughs> I uh I took my first shot. I, I it sounds crazy and, and don't judge my parents you fucking dickheads out there. <laughs> uh my grandpa I guess was known for Crown Royal, like I guess he maybe drank it a lot, but uh, I, I don't know my family. It's hard cuz my dad never drank really. Uh, uh okay. I had wine with him like twice maybe. Yeah. Um and my mom never really drank. I think she had some beers here and there, but not like when I was a kid. I think when they just became parents, like they were kind of an old school thought and they're like, right. "All right, we're not going to curse anymore and we're not going to do these things." Mm-hmm. Uh which probably didn't end up great. because I'm fucked up. But uh <laughs> So my dad never really drank. None of my aunts really drink, but a lot of their kids drink. Uh, okay. They're all in you know, the Midwest. I think it's just a thing, right? You just drink a bunch of Budweiser all day, every day. Um, but at my grandpa's funeral, I think I was maybe 10 or 12, and everyone's just fucking slamming Crown Royal everywhere. And so they gave me like one or two shots uh-huh. as a fucking 12-year-old. And I just remember like, oh my God, like... You're drinking poison. Like <laughs> that's when it actually tastes like poison. Yeah, you know, it
0: does. It does tastes like that when you're a kid. You don't have the, the 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 taste buds for it. My um my wife's family did the same thing when her grandfather died, and it but it was wild turkey, oh. which really is like poison. Ke- yeah, yeah kerosene. like yeah, pff, it's like uh, um kerosene or something. Yeah, you know? it's like really bad. Uh, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, it happens. I don't know. And but, but having crown the other day, I was like, man, this really ain't bad. And, and the other thing... Uh, it's, keep shocking. We we talked about uh, uh, taste buds all the time because we had my mom on here for olive oil. You guys check that episode and different things. And I don't know if it's genetics or who has g- good taste buds or not, but I think I had um okay taste buds considering my mom does it for a profession But the older I get, like the more I think I love shit. Like I like coffee and I've drank a lot of coffee since I was probably 22 or so. I started drinking a lot of coffee eh, almost every day. But lately I've had coffee like, fuck, this is good. Like, yeah. I always liked it. I always liked it. I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. But same with, like, beers. I feel like, you know, you drink some Bud Light in college, you're playing beer pong, and you're like, eh, all right, it doesn't taste great, but I'm, you know, I'm getting buzzed. And then you start to like, all right, I'll have one IPA a week, and I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. And then you start to have, like, some good beers, you know, and you're just like, fuck, this tastes good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Smell this. We're we getting back into kerosene. What is this? All right, we got no. Glenn um, Morangy. More yeah, getting merengue, yes. There we go. <laughs> Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, the original, perfected by the 16 men of Tain. Who are they? 10 years old?
0: Yeah, I I, I could give you a glass if you decide you want Why some Why is afterwards. it so light? Is that a thing? Y- it light color? Oh, well, that doesn't smell bad. Yeah, this is my point exactly. It's all, And it will be good if you taste it. I'll I get you a glass if you want
1: it. I mean, I'll try it. I don't know but a whole glass. We're doing a drunk podcast. What are we talking about That We're talking about like uh, infrared uh, saunas and shit. Might as well, we need to talk about whiskeys. That smells pretty good. I didn't think it would. I'm I'm not a big hard alcohol guy. I'm not that big of a drinker, again, because my family really never really drank growing up. And then, you know, I just hear horror stories of cousins, friends, or family, friends being alcoholics. So I'd get a little, not scared of it, yeah, but just, we'll I definitely, just, we'll pour just a little bit. I definitely have an addictive personality, you know? And so like- I, I always am watchful with what I do. You know, like I got pretty addicted to lifting weights. Mm-hmm. I watched my line of taking performance enhancing drugs or competing or mm-hmm. dieting to you know, I always watch my line. I'm I'm as as addictive as I am to things, I'm also just as um uh self aware, which has led me to not get into drugs or <laughs> other things. But um I, I don't drink a lot of hard alcohol. I'll drink a beer, I'll drink a yeah. wine, um, uh, if I'm trying to like drink and chill, maybe a gin and tonic or, or some bullshit. But uh, this does smell like sweet. Yeah, and, and it and it kind of is. You'll uh, hopefully my guy Ryan, uh, my boy Ryan. He's a little bit younger than me, twenty six, twenty seven. But he's insanely into whiskey. I went to his apartment in uh, <laughs> in San Diego, and he has like an entire wall of like the most expensive whiskeys you've ever seen. Like he collects yeah. some, he drinks some. He knows the name. He probably knows this. Like he's, he's just a big nerd. Oh yeah, I mean it's good. And it's not going to take your face off. Yeah, that's the issue. Sweetness.
0: It's um, yeah.
1: I mean, it's still alcohol, but still alcohol. Like if you never had whiskey and you had that, you'd probably be like, "Ah, I don't know. But if you've had like, like I said, like a little bit of Jameson or Jack, which I don't mind. I like a little Jack and Coke here and there. But like you have that and you're like, oh fuck.
0: I think Jack is a great mixer. Right. Yeah. I think I think it's a rough go.
1: Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, what do people do? Just throw this thing on ice and sip away. I like this glass too. Uh, yeah, you
0: can, you can if you like ice, you can, or you can, you know, a, a little splash of water. Yeah, sometimes it yeah, opens a little it up soda a little water bit. deal.
1: Yeah, or just 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 still water even. Alluring complexity. I want to be a marketing guy for one of these things. They fucking crush Me it too. sometimes. Me too. And it, the the flavor changes a little bit while it um little air yeah a single malt whiskey of exquisite finesse and alluring complexity if anyone in the world ever explained me that way my personality oh, yeah. oh my god would i feel good about myself ah uh, me too goddamn alluring complexity me too um wish yeah. i haven't eaten today too i'm about to be hammered drunk for this
0: <laughs> for this podcast <laughs> we we poured just a just a tiny bit but i walked into the grocery store in my neighborhood the other day it was a Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, and they were doing a tequila tasting, and they're like, basically handing me a shot when I walked sounds in. Kind and it's kind of like, all right, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm off to a I was going to a you know 43 year old man's laser tag birthday
1: party, so <laughs> yeah, tequila sounds perfect. <laughs> tequila, yes. Just actually, can I get that to go? <laughs> yeah, my mom's not huge into drinking, like I said, but she's uh, like we had her on the podcast, really big into mm-hmm. olive oil and all mm-hmm. these things, and she's now just dove in because she trained her palate a little bit, obviously for a specific Mm -hmm. thing, but she's dove into like chocolate tasting, Mm -hmm. uh, coffee tasting. Mm -hmm. I think she might have done tequila or whiskey, even though I don't think she really likes either of those, but like It's kind of like you find it, it's kind of like powerlifting. Like, all right, like I squatted 500. Like, let me go flip this tire now. Mm -hmm. Like, I built some strength. Like, let's go fucking mess around. Right, right, right. So I think testing. Kind of, kind of. I think she's like, all right, I got this palette. I can find some flavors. Let's go see what these other experts are doing with this other cool shit. Right, right. Yeah, I'm going to try a clean and jerk out of nowhere or something. No,
0: I can totally understand that. Um, Completely off of this topic, but it did it's something that happened. And now that we're we're both in the same yeah. gym, but not all at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Again, uh, I was in twenty four, um, probably two weeks ago with Chris, and we're walking through the cardio area. And I look over, and there was a guy on the stepper, and I could have sworn to God that he was eating a sandwich. I don't now, doubt it. I have I've seen some weird shit in 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 there, yeah, uh, including the annoying
1: thing of people taking the elevator. Uh yeah, yeah is uh, so. Me and Jim uh, work out at a commercial gym that's uh, dead middle of Sacramento. And although Sacramento, in the scheme of things, is pretty small, um, we were looking this up the other day. Uh, it was. What's L.A.? Four million people, or the Bay Area, I think, is four, three million, something, something like, like that. that. Uh, Sacramento is like 500,000, and that's with our suburbs. Um, but we are the capital of California, and so we do have a decent downtown now. It's growing a lot. Mm-hmm. A bunch of new projects are popping up left and right, hotels. They just announced the soccer stadium got the green light. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just announced a whole new area, uh, and we lived at a gym that's literally what three blocks from the Capitol. Um, and so people Doesn't like fl- that, yeah. they fly in and out all the time for Capitol work. Obviously, yeah, half a block from the arena, yeah, right next to yeah. right next to the Kings Arena. And so there's stuff going on everywhere. Um, so you get a real mix of characters in there, yeah, um, from probably some senator I've never heard of, yeah, politician, lawyer guy to. Uh, you know, maybe a half homeless guy, you know, like there's stuff. Oh everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's a strategy for homeless people is that you you pay for a gym membership. You so gotta, you got some place to take a shower and 100%. brush your teeth and all this stuff. And, and you will occasionally see people like, I don't understand the brushing of the teeth in the gym. I don't get it. I don't understand shaving things in the gym unless you're yeah. a homeless person. I don't understand that, but I see it all the time. Even the shower. Like I
1: do understand the shower, but it's just not for me. Like, I guess if I'm commuting an hour um, and I've never had to do that. Uh, yeah. right. Like, but I'm always the guy that, uh, sometimes I shower before workout. I, I like to shower. It's just a routine I built in from life. Uh, I shower right before an event. Mm-hmm. So I showered right before a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Although it seems counterintuitive. It just wakes me up. Showered right before this podcast. Showered right before I stream right before a YouTube video, whatever. just wakes me up. Um, and, but then after the gym, I'm just driving home. Right. I, I understand if you have to go to work out of the way. Like I get the thing, but I don't want that. I want to feel comfortable. I don't want to have to worry about funguses on my feet. I don't have to worry about, you know, the shower curtain. I don't I don't know. It just all feels kind of grimy to me. Gym showers seem sketch. Gym, um, like hot job jacuzzis, well, those so are that's what, sketch. That's what my story is leading into this next topic. We're talking about uh, infrared saunas. Yeah. I think saunas in general, and then maybe ice baths. We're going to talk uh, to Andy uh, mm-hmm. Galpin about all these things. He's kind of studied them and, and some of their benefits. But my first experiences were at a commercial gym, but gymming i feel like in 2000 you know 1999 to 2005 was a lot less common Mm -hmm. there's less just people Mm -hmm. uh, into fitness and then two the gyms i went to were commercial in a way but they were local commercial there's only like six of them right um and so me and my friends or we'd go to my friend's like club He was part of like a tennis club um which sounds like super fancy for those that have never been one but there's tons of different styles of them you know like it's not like a fancy golf club like it's still maybe a couple hundred bucks a month but it's not insane so it's nice but it's not next level uh, and we just like work out or play basketball and then we thought like a steam room or sauna was cool you know yeah. like you just hop in there you sweat a little bit it feels kind of nice on your skin you get to relax and you just kind of dick around and talk mm-hmm. um, but yeah this downtown one I've, want, I've, been, I've been having an urge for a sauna one because I've seen some of the information coming out on it two because I do find it very relaxing and I think it feels good to sweat mm-hmm. um, mentally I feel good uh, but I have nowhere to go because they're just so grimy and I yeah. don't not yeah. only like the actual grimy because who knows who's been there in the wood and the moisture. It just feels yeah. a little weird with strangers. And then two, um leaving, you know, you're leaving all dripping wet. Like I, I need one at home. Uh and I know there's some pop up ones and, yeah, and things they do of that have nature. For home, yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Until they sponsor this
0: podcast, I'm not getting <laughs> one. <laughs> I think the Sturettes have one at home. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, and and uh, for me. I think that like early on those dry saunas was like, well, like how long can you stand it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it turns into a little bit of a guilt game, but now uh, we got people who are uh, taking ice baths in their uh, converted chest freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're going to these cryo centers that
1: cryo's popped up. That's another question I guess we could ask Andy Grab because everything I've read on cryo is pretty false. Yeah, possible. I'd,
0: I'd uh, for, from my personal perspective, year, several years ago, probably six, seven years ago, I was having a tendon problem in the back of my knee, and I was willing to do anything to try to solve it, and I ultimately got PRP, which helped. Yeah. Uh, but I bought a Groupon package from one of those cryo places, and basically, instead of doing a full body thing, I said, you know, like, how many times can I come back for this spot on the back of my calf? And it was really cold, and it would... It would feel better for an hour or so yeah. afterwards,
1: but it it wasn't it, it wasn't sustainable at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of Andy's talk and what we'll probably dig into this podcast is just like general health recovery, um, things of that nature with infrared. But like, it's a whole nother conversation. Uh, we're gonna have an, another guest on soon that might have some topics on this because I know for a long time there was like pop. Um, Doctors and hospitals and whatever would kind of have one path, and then like chiropractors, acupuncturists, mm-hmm. PTs would have another path. But just hot and cold therapy in general, um, for more like a, a dedicated location, like you're talking about for injury, uh, long term, short term, uh, how to kind of treat those things too, might be a topic we d- we dive into. And uh, the f- the
0: first time that I um, uh, heard Andy, I guess when he was on uh, Rogan was maybe the first time that I really heard him. He was talking about you know heat shock and cold shock proteins. And that's kind of the real question. It's like, is that something we should be concerned about? And what do they mean? And we should be should we be stimulating them? And then I saw just the, the other day them talking about um, that if you have a routine around heat or cold or contrast showers or whatever, so that you're doing it all the time, maybe your body stops yeah. producing these adaptations.
1: Yeah, because it adapts too soon. And, and, and I think too, uh, on top of that, what's the actual not what the benefit is, but what percent is actually going to help us, right? Because we could talk to somebody who loves fucking creatine and they're going to tell us all these benefits of creatine. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like depending on how you adapt and some genetics, like it's giving you a 0.5% boost in your bench yeah. press. Like it's really not doing that much over time. And so is this something that it's fun and it's exciting to find new information on things that might help that show mm-hmm. a real positive uh, uh, result in anything because there are so many benefits. B.S. products and B.S. supplements and B.S. routines and all the, you know, tummy tucks and diet teas. Mm -hmm. And there's so much bullshit out there. So when science can prove um, and our experts really believe in, in some kind of modality, it is insanely exciting. But at the end of the day... If you can't, you know, have a balanced diet, if you're not going to the gym consistently five times a week, if you're not consistently getting your sleep in, if you can't put this whiskey down, if you mm-hmm. have all these other issues, eh, do you really have to worry about this cold tub and infrared? And, and, and people always say, well, like, oh, well, maybe our best athletes, our best athletes have the same issue we do. Uh, Michael Jordan yeah. was supposedly a fr- freaking alcoholic. Uh, how many people yeah. in the NBA do you think actually get the sleep they need and the nutrition they need? I don't think they do. So should the, even Dwayne Wade and LeBron James be worrying about this tub or, or or should we worry about these other things first because you can't really put a percentage on the benefit of good nutrition and sleep because it's everything. And yeah. so I I, I love that, that Andy and these guys are excited, but I'm really interested in, yeah, what kind of the shock, you know, heat protein uh, may be involved, what it may actually do because I've also heard um, this – talking about we had another muscle fiber episode talking about growing new muscle fibers mm-hmm. or um, converting I believe actually muscle one cool. and two one um, to the other. yeah uh, with peds is possible and some of these therapies might do it but what percent is it actually gonna help me um, because we have so many other issues to cover <laughs> yeah exactly and it and is it a psychological thing right uh,
0: be, as part of a larger plan do people need um, ritual sure around it to help them reinforce their good habits which I mean, which
1: is great right I, if i go to the gym i do my sam i'm an mma fighter i do all my grappling then i go do some cardio i come back i do some striking and then i do some lifting weights and then i'm hopping in a sauna and i feel relaxed and i know my day's over and it's time for me to go to bed mm-hmm. afterwards hey power to you right everyone needs a routine like mm-hmm. that my routine right now is you know similar wake up gym cardio emails Podcast if we have it, work if I have it, stream for six hours, and then I gotta get my one episode of Netflix in. And when I know what I turn <laughs> I know when I turn on Netflix, like all right, it's almost bedtime. And then yeah, my, yeah. my routine's ready and then I could fall asleep. Yeah, if I didn't that have sense. that, I couldn't fall asleep. And if I didn't get my sleep, I'm fucked up. I'm sure we could run some kind of study that shows Netflix helps my recovery. Why? Because it's built into that routine, right? So I wanna right. know um, what 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 yeah, what what, what scientifically percentage is, is this needed and then who should maybe even pay, pay attention to this? What 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 small percent or large percent of common athletes should be paying attention to something like this? That's a good question.
0: All right, I think we're going to jump in with the Doctor. I know you like to sit in um, in extremely cold water sometimes, and I know you like heat sometimes. And you were the first person I ever heard use the expression uh, or the, the terms heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins. What what are those, and does your body stop reacting if things like ice bath or dry sauna or whatever become part of your routine?
2: That's really good. Heat and cold shock proteins. It's actually funny you mention that. I'm eight to twelve inches right now away from my ice bath. Yeah, just happen to be standing here when you asked that question, so that's very interesting. But uh, those two uh, we have cameras on are. You. <laughs> it was, I know it was you, and I said earlier. I taught you guys. Now, the, the proteins are one of the few in molecular biology that are named apropos. In other words, the naming actually makes sense to the function. So it is a heat shock protein. This is a protein that responds to, ready for it, ready for it? Cold. Heat. It, heat. Ha! Ha! Ah! Fuck. <laughs> i need to go back to school. God damn it. And cold is no different. So, if you shock or stimulate the body with these temperature perturbations, these proteins become activated. After that, they have a whole host of downstream uh, responses and and activities. And this is actually goes back to our conversation regarding intermittent fasting, where we talked about autophagy a bit and the fact that it doesn't, molecules, proteins, genes, cells, they don't have a single function, and so people like to bastardize them by saying things like, oh, mTOR causes muscle growth, or testosterone causes muscle growth. No, one of the things testosterone does is cause muscle growth. It also does a thousand other things. Heat shock and cold shock proteins are the same way, and so you could say, okay, it turned on my heat shock protein, and that is associated with an increase in autophagy. Well, sure, but it's also associated with a whole host of other things. Uh, just a couple of steps away from mTOR, for example, mTOR is one of the signaling proteins that causes muscle growth, a couple of steps away from that, it actually blocks muscle growth. Hmm. And, and so the same exact thing is both increasing and decreasing. It just turns out that in that case, the net is almost always muscle growth. Well, cold heat shock proteins are uh, a similar thing. We are far more ahead in our understanding of things like mTOR and muscle growth than we are things like heat shock proteins, cold shock proteins. Uh, the vast majority of the research is still in animals, rats, urines, or cell culture. Uh, we have some good evidence in humans, but we, we don't understand those things to the level we do uh, things like, again, muscle growth and testosterone. Uh, so there's still good information in there, but that's a long-winded answer.
0: Does your body's reaction change if that becomes a regular thing? Uh, did you stop oh, provoking yeah. that reaction?
2: So, I actually forgot to say this when we were also talking about intermittent fasting. But uh, this is, I am in disagreement with many of my contemporaries, friends, colleagues, and business partners on this topic. So, intermittent fasting may kick off some autophagy or some other things. Uh, say increases fat loss. But this is simply mostly due to either an overall calorie restriction. So the amount of autophagy or anti-inflammatory processes to something like intermittent fasting, we don't yet know if that is because of intermittent fasting or is simply because you reduce calories. We know the vast majority of benefit from intermittent fasting is explained almost fully by fat loss. And so if you're able to put someone through an intervention who loses 20 pounds of fat, that is going to be so much more important for anti-inflammatory autophagy cancer prevention than the intermittent fasting one. So, um, I'm not saying there's nothing at all special about intermittent fasting. There may very well be. It could be, but it's the uniqueness of the intermittent fasting is probably pales in comparison to the overall effect of caloric restriction or the overall effect of reduction of body fat. Well, the same thing applies to the thermal treatments. So, if you are consistently getting extremely hot and extremely cold, you're no longer going to activate these shock proteins to the same extent that you did. If you look at all the literature on these terminal stresses, a huge percentage of them that are inhuman, which is also a small percentage of the overall literature, a huge percentage of those are very, very short durations, typically two weeks or less. Mm -hmm. And they typically do interventions like, okay, you spent a total of two hours a day in the ice for 13 days or something extreme like that where you're like, okay, I get it to show mechanism to show concept here. But this is not how people use them. And what happened after a couple of months when you got used to it? Well, it's no longer as big of a shock. Now, I have had this nice bath in the back of my house for a couple of years now. I can still tell you, equivocally, every time I get in that 28 degree water, it's still fucking cold. All of a sudden, like, oh, it feels like a warm bath. That shit is cold as hell. But, uh, yes, of course, it will be diminished. So I do not think... Uh, we should be, in most situations, ice bathing every day. I don't, I don't think we need to heat every day. Uh, I'm also not nearly as big a proponent of sauna as other people are, uh, especially for my fighters. Um, if, I don't know if you, guys, if you guys have ever done jiu-jitsu, but if you put a gi on and do an hour and a half of jiu-jitsu, it's easy. They'll lose five, seven pounds of water. Yeah, easy. I don't think there's anything magical to the sauna. I think the magic comes in being hot for a long time and sweating a lot. I think there are some unique physiological benefits to simply sweating a lot. And so uh, for those individuals, I'm like, no, we don't need to sauna um, most of the time. You, you, you sauna three times a day, as it is, basically.
1: Yeah, you can just move around. However, and stuff.
2: yeah, I have worked with many people, business, business executives and things like that, where I'm like, hey, you know what? I know you only exercise once a week. If we do pop in a sauna a couple other times a week, that might be really, really, really good for you. Mm. Because I know you're not doing anything else. Oh. Or, or, hey, you can get in there, let's do one of your meetings in the sauna. Okay, great, I'll do that. Well, that that's a win. So I think it's a good, that my grandpa, decided my grandpa get a sauna. I know he's not going to exercise, he's never, ever exercised, he don't know what to do, it'd be so hard to get him started. he doesn't live in the same state as me, I can't be there to help him. So I'm like, hey, just get a sauna, I get in there three or four times a week, and he loves it. So to me, I think that will actually have huge impact on his health. But there's, there's something that's very, very different in giving something to an 85-year-old who doesn't exercise, and thinking that's going to carry over to a 27-year-old powerlifter, man. Oh, come on. We got to ex- we got to express a little bit of critical thinking skills here.
1: What, um, I know you said there's probably not a lot of research or uh, pure definition on the human uh, for the hot and cold uh, protein, shock proteins. But if you were to do an extreme amount within one or two weeks, perhaps for extra recovery or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. What, what, I mean, there's probably not a percentage involved, but is it something more like supplements? Like, all right, this I might feel like the smallest boost ever, like creatine. Or is this going to feel uh, and make a real difference in my performance or recovery?
2: It could do both. Uh, I, I will use them for sure a lot. Um, I got you know, three fighters competing in the next handful of weeks, and I'm trying to get them all in the ice bath uh, three times a week. I mm. would say six days a week, but they won't do it. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm fighting for two or three. So no, I think it's uh, just, just like an American fasting. I'm not against it at all. I'm, I'm for proper use. Very close to competition, I think, is a very, very good time to go ice bath every day if you can't. Get in that sucker all the time, right? It's only going to help. How much will it help? Well, sort of depends on the person and the sport and stuff. But, yeah, um, I think during those periods of time, it's probably a noticeable improvement.
1: Yeah, but it probably won't hurt if you're applying it correctly and kind of only doing it during the most intense part of training camp kind of deal.
2: Ooh, so that's where I disagree.
1: Hmm. So you think it will hurt if you do it in training camp at the end?
2: Oh, uh, well, now okay. So now you just you maybe just
1: maybe, maybe I misspoke. Maybe I misspoke. Go ahead.
2: Um, because let's remember, if we're blocking inflammation and we're blocking stress, well, those are the signals that cause adaptation. And so I would not do things like an ice bath. I would not take anti-inflammatories or antioxidants or extremely high antioxidant. Uh, well, foods are fine, but supplementation, during an intense part of training camp. Because the point of intense training is to induce adaptation. And if you then circumvent that recovery process, you block those signals to adapt. Now, when you rephrase the question, you said at the end of training camp, well, then I agree with you. So if it's during your, your accumulation phase, your adaptation phase, then I don't think you want to go excessive uh, recovery. Uh, I would say the same thing for Norma Tech, the same thing for um, Mark Pro or any of the other modalities. If, you're try- if the point of your training is to induce and accumulate um, stressors, then don't circumvent that by cutting out the stress. But at the end of your training camp, when you're very close to competition and you're not now accumulating stress, now you're trying to peak. This is when you want to roll out all these recovery strategies.
0: That that makes sense. I've known more than one powerlifter, probably more than um, dozens of powerlifters, who relied very much on anti-inflammatories in the course of a training cycle because they were just in pain. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I never really understood that because uh, they are not getting that adaptive response, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're blocking it.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, now keep in mind, you always have to take it in context. So if they're in so much pain that you're like, well, okay, if I don't take these, I can't train today.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, if you blocked 10% of the adaptation by taking Advil, well, 10%, you know, 90% is still higher than 0% from not training. Right. So it's, 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 there's always a pro, uh, you know, given a take here. Right. So you can't take that and go too far with it. Uh, so it's kind of a balance. It's like, well, can I get away with it today? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think I can Skype. By. Okay, go ahead. No, I can't. Okay. Well then go ahead and light it up and, can we use another trick? Can we do something else? Can we extend our warm up? Can we do? Um, uh, can we do a massage? Can we do a different exercise variation that doesn't inflame the the place so bad? If those aren't an options, then maybe you roll that bill and we get going.
0: To shift gears, another thing that's come up to to us lately, we've been pitch the idea of doing something on hot yoga. Um, what about we we were we've been talking about like sitting in a sauna and uh not exercising while just sitting and i i understand that this is probably a, a case where context is important if someone is um is someone is actually active and then they're using you know sitting in a dry sauna and that's one strategy or if they're using something like hot yoga uh, i'm assuming those things are going to be different
2: uh, yes, but it depends on which marker you're talking about. So if you want to look at like heat shock protein, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's indiscriminate. It doesn't matter. It, heat shock protein is going to be activated by temperature. So get to that temperature however you want. It won't mess. Other differences, though, would be something like, well, you know, potentially it's better for the joints. Potentially you can also work on a little bit of shoulder stability versus just sitting there and not doing anything. So it would be the other benefits that... Would be the difference, but yeah,
1: it's like I said, it depends on the marker you're looking at. But for a heat shock uh, proteins, literally just temperature. Does it, it doesn't matter if it's dry sauna, whatever, steam room, like you mentioned, maybe jujitsu, whatever it might be. It's just kind of getting that temperature up.
2: Yeah, in, the internal temperature, not the external temperature. Just get hot. If you're getting super hot, probably doesn't matter a
1: lot. Hanging out in Sacramento in 110 degree in, weather this summer, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're down in. Uh, Louisiana, and it's September, and you're wearing 40 pounds of football gear. Like, you don't think that's activating your shock proteins? Come on now. <laughs> you know? So it, it, that's what matters: the internal temperature change, how hot's your body getting? That's what kicks them on.
0: And cold. So let me ask you this question: If you're sitting in an ice bath, how long do you have to be there before it starts affecting your core temperature?
2: There are several trials have been done on this, and we have run some initial pilot experiments here with them, it depends on the temperature of the ice bath. Hmm. If you're sitting in a 55 to 50 to 55 degree bath, like most athletic training facilities and places like that keep their ice bath, uh, you're going to have to be there quite some time for, before you'll notice measurable changes in core temperature. Having said that, uh, we've seen some pretty fast drops in body temperature in the sub-30 degree water. Um, it's not uncommon for us to see something like almost a degree per minute. Ooh. Uh, so you start spending five, six degrees uh, in there. It's not going to keep going at that rate, but uh, certainly a degree every couple of minutes uh, can happen. So you can get pretty damn cold internally, pretty damn fast in sub thirty degree water. It's it's different than fifty five. Mm-hmm. You can be there for quite some time.
0: Well, what about these cryo chambers? Yeah,
2: so they're they're not going to do much for internal temperature.
0: That's kind of um, what I thought.
2: Yeah, so I'm not saying they're useless. Uh, they seem to be potentially equally effective for reducing muscle soreness, uh, but the the anti-inflammatory aspects, the other potential benefits, um, probably cold chalk protein and certainly internal temperature, uh, they don't stack up with the cryos relative to cold water immersion. So uh, I typically don't recommend them unless it's a convenience issue or personal preference or if you're there for the sake of muscle soreness
1: anything uh yeah, get
2: the damn cold water
1: anything you uh think we missed in terms of uh sauna on hot water or uh cold water uh, bass
2: loads man loads of it but
0: we can only take so many bites at the apple at a time
2: at <laughs> <laughs> some point i gotta get some work done today <laughs> absolutely
0: well we definitely appreciate you being on man uh how can people find you
2: yeah sure you can visit my social media the twitter and instagram of dr andy galpin and you can check out my YouTube channel and uh, my website, andygalpa.com, if you want to get your learn on and, and uh, see what the kind of stuff I teach in my university classes about strength and conditioning, program design, nutrition, exercise, muscle physiology. I got a whole bunch of free videos up on the website and Patreon and kind of all over the place. So just search the Googles. I'm easy. Here
0: we go. All right. Thanks a lot, Andy. Yeah. Thanks for your time. You got it, guys. I am the Jim McD on all the social medias. Mike is Silent Mike with 2Ks. You can find the show, 50% Facts, on Instagram and Twitter. Percent is spelled out like a word. We'll be back next week.